Cowboys and salute the flag. The National Football League is on tap. Welcome to another edition of the Morning Briefing, a special edition here as we welcome a new gentleman to the program helping me out. While my usual partner, Mike Luby Lubitz, is off uh, in Morocco somewhere sucking down couscous and Bastilla pies while wearing a fez and pointy yellow shoes. So we welcome Henry, who is the social media director for No Filter and a willing volunteer, a willing guinea pig to come on this show. He's on West Coast time, so uh, it's an absurd hour of the morning for him. And I'm here on the East Coast getting ready for the National Football League season. Uh, Henry, how are you, my friend? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, you know, there's no time like the present. I'm happy to be here with you. Hopefully I can match your golden voice energy, but this is this is going to be great. Happy to replace the man. Well, and, and it's fantastic because uh, tomorrow night starts the uh, 2023 NFL season. There are always a lot of questions going into any NFL campaign. This one uh, in particular loaded with some juicy stuff. Uh, can Aaron Rodgers actually reverse the fortunes of the hapless New York Jets? who I rooted for in my youth when Joe Willie was limping back there into the pocket, trying to find Don Maynard and George Sauer on those long passes in the wind at Shea. There was George Atkinson and Fred the Hammer Williamson there to mess it up. And uh, Namath was always under pressure. Uh, the Jets did win that miracle Super Bowl in 1969, changed the course of the National Football League forever. But is it more likely because of the curse that seems to hover over the New York Jets, Henry? That Aaron Rodgers comes in there, something uh, improbable, unfathomable happens to him. They end up with a losing record, and Weep Eubank is rolling over in his grave, wondering why the hell this has been <laughs> happening year after year after year. No matter what they've tried to do, they haven't been able to get off to Schneid. Uh, that's one thing. You, you have uh, you know, natural questions, uh, whether or not the Cincinnati Bengals, are they ready to win a championship? What do you think? All the wise guys, Henry, are on the Cincinnati Bengals. Are, are you on that bandwagon? I, you know... I feel like the Bengals had one of the best windows of opportunity just randomly two years ago when they played the Chiefs and beat the Chiefs and then played sort of like this lowly Rams team in, yes. in the Super Bowl. So and I, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the on the fence about the Jets. I, I believe that the offensive line is the most important thing in football yes. and their offensive line is it's a wet towel. It's it's rough. It's not very They're good. hoping to dig up Sherman Plunkett. I don't know if you remember that. Guy. He was the original 300 pounder. In the National Football League. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, and, and there's a lot of analysis uh, with this. But uh, uh, Bengals, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's tough to root for a city where, where the top culinary item is uh, Skyline Chili. Which oh. is something, I don't know if you've ever had it. You no, just, I have. It looks like you have, yeah. Yeah. So it looks like you still have gas remaining from the time you had it. I don't know how many years ago that was. But, uh, uh, very recent. I, I went to Indiana University, so I had my fair oh, share okay. of trips to, mm, yeah. God, horrible. You have the three-way, the four-way, the five-way, and my favorite Skyline chili dish is the no-way. There's, there's just no way I ever want to uh, sink a fork into spaghetti with something, some cockamamie rendition that they call chili. It, it's the kind of stuff uh, in uh, Ohio I think they feed to uh, confess serial killers when they want them to admit to more crimes. And, and they just keep shoveling Skyline chili in front of them. But uh, I, I don't know. All the wise guys love Cincinnati this year and are thinking that they're going to make their way into the Super Bowl and probably win a championship. I'm not sure that I'm on board with that. Then you have quarterback comebacks to Sean Watson. Uh, did he lose a step while he was in all those massage parlors? And did he ever run into Bob Kraft? Nobody ever asked him that question in uh, one of these places, right? You want a happy ending? Yeah, you got a happy ending. Like, come, come on, Bobby, you can't do better than that. Uh, this is a guy that's going to fly his own private jet from Florida 
to uh, go and catch a noon kickoff for a Patriot game, and he's in some $25 a pop Asian massage parlor when he should be what? With at least like a $5,000 a night hooker. Nobody really ever explored that party, uh, that uh, story, and it's, uh, you know, full splendor. But uh, And, and uh, Russell Wilson, is he done? Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, can Sean Payton salvage the career of Russell Wilson, who uh, looked like a dog last year and made you think that uh, all of that stuff that he did in Seattle was somewhat of a mirage? I think I think it is a mirage. I think that was a very different Russell Wilson. He looks thicker. I think we guys talked about this. He's a, he's a little bit thicker than he was, and sort of the mobility is definitely shot. I will. I mean, hopefully, he proves me wrong. I, I want them to be good. I like when Russ is good. It's like the Yankees. You know, it's you want these these villainous figures to be entertaining and good, so that you can have somebody to root against in the playoffs. I love rooting against Russell Wilson because he was so good. Well, and it became very easy last year. Yeah, so he yeah, was right. horrendous. <laughs> I mean, uh, Geno Smith, uh, was that a fluke last year? Was Rex Ryan right about this guy? I mean, Rex went out of his way to have one of his players go into the locker room and punch him in the face so he could get rid of him. <laughs> and he goes to Seattle, and uh, we see where Pete Carroll has had great success with different quarterbacks, including Russell Wilson. Uh, was it Pete Carroll all along? We, we don't know. A lot of great questions going in, but it all kicks off tomorrow night. I don't know where mm-hmm. you're going to be, uh, Henry. I plan on being in front of a television set somewhere with, with uh, yes. you know, a substantial amount of alcohol, maybe a little bit of, you know, some gummy bears, of course, purchased legally at the marijuana dispensary here in uh, South Florida. And of I'm going to get uh, all excited about Kansas City and Detroit. Now, I spent a lot of years uh, doing pregame shows for the Miami Dolphins, probably of the 40 some odd years I was working in South Florida. I probably did 30 years of Dolphins pregame shows on some radio station. And the interesting thing about the pregame show, uh, the way the rights considerations changed in terms of paying teams and or not paying them to uh, have their broadcast rights and be the flagship, uh, used to uh, dole out, stations would dole out like a million dollars in rights fees and uh, outbid each other, uh, you know, falling all over each other to drop money on an NFL team. But then that changed. And when it did, uh, the only way that the station could make money while they had given all of the advertising sales rights to the team itself to go make its own money during the games was to extend to ridiculous proportions the length of time of their pregame shows. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure right now. Now, what town are you uh, living in, uh, Henry? I'm currently residing in, in uh, Cal. Beautiful SoCal, California, Venice Beach right now, oh, but I wow. but I grew up in the Bay Area, so I grew up, you know, San Francisco Giants, 49ers, and the Golden State Warriors. Those were my guys. Still are, but at least rooted guys. On the local radio station that was carrying the games, did they do like a four-hour pregame show? Because oh, I wasn't, I wasn't there longer until... than the game itself, yeah. Yeah, no way. I would show up, if, uh, at least for the radio, it would only be like right when the game starts. Oh, That, okay. that was for me. That was good. I, I used to conduct yeah. these four-hour pregame shows, and in the process, you analyzed every different aspect of the game. There, there was not enough minutia to examine to right. extend uh, you know, beyond its reasonable uh, tolerance. Uh, some guy yapping about a three-hour game for four hours before the game even started. So you would uh, go into all of this detail. I mean, their offensive line versus our defensive line, their receivers versus uh, – our secondary, and then, of course, the big thing, and I think this will come very much into focus tomorrow night, uh, the coaching matchup. And in this case, we have Andy Reid, the defending Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champions, but defending their title again this year, Kansas City Chiefs, and my favorite coach in the National Football League, and I think everybody's favorite, and believe it or not, Henry, I I was surprised to see this. Uh, You'll find this 
uh, maybe a little bit unusual, but uh, the first thing uh, I read this morning was the odds to become coach of the year. As uh, naturally being a degenerate gambler, uh, I turn right to like the Yonkers race results uh, as the first thing I look at in my New York Post that I get delivered here in Florida. <laughs> and Dan Campbell, believe it or not, in, in the survey I saw, at least from the NFC, was the favorite to be really? coach of the year this year at eight to one. Not sure that he shouldn't be 80 to one because uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Half their team has been suspended because they're gambling degenerates. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, what's their... up with that? I think That's it's crazy. great. I mean, uh, they're just following in the footsteps of the great Roger Goodell, who uh, <laughs> was at the Super Bowl, and in his box were two guys from that old pro-line show, Chip Chirimbus and Stu Finer, were sitting next to him, uh, two touts, and, and they're screaming, yeah, send it in, Rog, send it in! As uh, he, He's got FanDuel written all over his chest, uh, and meanwhile, I mean, the hypocrisy of the NFL once again rears its ugly head as uh, players are betting on games, and uh, they're treating them like they were, I don't know if you remember uh, this guy, an old reference here, Alex Karras who was suspended for gambling many years ago, was a great Detroit Lions player, a lineman. And uh, he, along with the golden boy, Paul Horning, were suspended for gambling on football, what, in the 60s, I believe. And uh, now you would look at these two guys, both of whom have passed, and say they were way ahead of their time, were they not? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> they were on to something. But, uh, I, you know, when you get down to the coaching matchup in this game, I, I think it's fascinating. It has uh, so many uh, variety uh, of elements, so many different variations on this thing, including Andy Reid, who uh, I looked at his accomplishments. Uh, Andy Reid, lifetime record, 24 years as a head coach, uh, Henry, 247 and 138. Uh, of course, he was a head coach at Philadelphia before Kansas City. Two good mm -hmm. long runs there, very solid by NFL standards, almost an eternity. In Philadelphia, he was 130 and 93. He's 117 and 45 with the Kansas City Chiefs, a, a phenomenal uh, win percentage. Of course, he started his career as an assistant with the Packers, uh, became a head coach in 1999, uh, was also like an executive. And I loved uh, his executive tenure with the Philadelphia Eagles because he was in charge of player personnel. Uh, we had a guy here uh, that was a general manager of the Miami Dolphins named Rick Spielman, who went on to a fairly reasonable amount of accomplishment with the Minnesota Vikings when he became the GM there. But he was a bozo in Miami. I mean, complete, <laughs> complete pucks, this guy. And... Um, we had uh, access to a, a telephone call that was placed by Rick Spielman, and picking up the phone on the other end was Andy Reid. And he actually, Reid stopped the conversation as uh, Spielman introduced himself and was making an inquiry about one of his players. And Reid called all of the people, the secretaries, uh, ball boys, uh, everybody he could find in the office. He said, watch this. I think he's going to ask to acquire A.J. Feely. And sure <laughs> enough... <laughs> Dolphins take their fortunes. Uh, you know, how, how do guys keep their jobs after they make moves like that? On uh, AJ, we call them AJ Touchy Feely. So I, I always liked Andy Reid because uh, he put on a show uh, with that. And, and yet, uh, for all of his accomplishments, well, what is he known for, Henry? What's the first thing you think of? What, what three letter word do you think of when, when you think of Andy Reid, a characterization <laughs> of Andy Reid? It begins with an F, ends with a T. And I'll oh, you the oh, yeah. I, yeah, I'll, I'll take the A. I think of all the cheeseburgers that he has in his victory <laughs> celebrations. <laughs> He's fat. That's the only thing anybody knows about him. If you, say, you ask 100 people, you go on the streets there, survey people that uh, you, you look at and you immediately figure they have no interest in football whatsoever. And you ask them, hey, tell me something about Andy Reid. First thing that he goes, oh, fat. <laughs> now, we've speculated for years. You did some research on this, although I don't know if you yes. ever asked this question, that the elaborate, colorful play chart that he's always consulting, 
Never mind, like Eric Bieniemy when he was there. Hey, listen, Eric, shut up. Uh, you'll get a head coaching job some day. Just don't go to the interview. Uh, and, and and we're thinking he's ordering off like a Chinese menu. Oh, he has to be. Has to be. There, there are no plays on that chart, are they? I mean, there's no, just he, pictures of like Mugu Gai Pan and Moon Pies. <laughs> he's just customizing the best post game meal of his life every Sunday, just Incredible, in the middle yeah. of it. Uh, and, and there are not that many. Uh, I don't think there are a lot of good Chinese restaurants in Kansas City. Uh, oh, I would no. imagine not. No, there is not. I have driven through that place. There, uh, if, if it's not barbecue, it's not food. So don't. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, touch it. what is it? I, I looked up a couple of places there. They, they only listed like four places. Uh, it looks like he's ordering from the Lady Dragon. I think that's the top spot in Kansas City <laughs> for Chinese food. Uh, but he's had you know tremendous success. Uh, now you you trolled around uh, you know and did a poll. Uh, at the Super Bowl last year, did you not? That is correct. About Reed, I, well, well, how did that go? Th- that went better than they expected. I I was fortunate enough to be on the front lines of with all the media at at Radio Row, and I proposed the question to all the Chiefs players: What makes Coach Reed so handsome? And to their <laughs> and to Try their to surprise, yeah. <laughs> they were to their surprise. They've never heard such a question like that. Yes. Marquez Valdez Scanley gave me an eyebrow. Uh, a few players were, a few players thought it was funny. Some players were like, he's not handsome. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> and then I asked the big man himself. I said, you know, a lot of coaches are bending the knee to you in terms of your good looks. What makes you so handsome? And, and- he said, whoever thought of that idea must have been drunk. <laughs> were you? <laughs> That's the question. It reminds me of a great line, maybe one of the great sports quotes of all time. Uh, came from uh, the former uh, Oilers coach and, and real NFL character, Bum Phillips. And I believe he was on like the Johnny Carson show when Johnny Carson was hosting tonight. And uh, Carson turns to him or whomever the host uh, was at the time. I, I want to say Johnny C for purposes of the brevity of this program. And uh, he says, uh, hey, hey, Bum, uh, is there a reason that you take your wife on the road and she's sitting with him on the day. It, it was kind of like, uh, it was kind of like that Mike Tyson interview where uh, right, Ruth right. and Robin Gibbons are saying, that cat's flat out fucking crazy. And Mike's just sitting there in a catatonic state while Barbara Walters is going, Oh, uh, they say you're crazy, Mike. What do you say? And uh, so she's sitting there kind of, uh, you know, uh, out of it a little bit. And uh, bum uh, with her sitting right next to him, says, uh, I, I take her on the road all the time for all the road games because she's too ugly to kiss goodbye. Which uh, oh. is, <laughs> how does your marriage survive that one? <laughs> that would be a rough one. Anyway, uh, Andy Reid uh, you know, falls into all of those categories. But what is he up against in this game? He's got the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, they have some problems. Uh, looks like, uh, what, uh, Kelsey is possibly injured and may not TBD. play in the game. Although he is TBD. Suspect. There's your morning briefing information for the day. We don't know if he's playing or not, and if he isn't, it's a disaster. <laughs> uh, and they have the holdout, right, with Jones, uh, their uh, defensive lineman who, who uh, was wreaking havoc last year uh, throughout the postseason, and there's a large reason why the Kansas City Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champions. So they have some problems. Uh, maybe offset by Detroit, a team that at one point last year, they were the best 0-6 team in professional football. I think you could say that without qualification. And they went on to, uh, you know, stage, uh, you know, a real comeback in the second half of the year. That's what made catapulted Dan Campbell uh, into a focus as something other than a complete freaking nutbag. (laughs) This is a guy, I mean, 
I, we've seen this uh, before where, where people use bizarre and, uh, you know, really absurd motivational techniques. Jackie Sherrill, I don't know if you remember Jackie Sherrill, college coach of some significance uh, years ago. And uh, uh, he, he was coaching a team. And uh, before, I, I guess, uh, you know, they, they were going against uh, like Texas or, and, and he castrated a bull to motivate his players before the game, right in front of him. Just, uh, you know, it's like, what are you, Edie Amin or a fucking football coach? I mean, uh, give me a break here. Uh, we had a guy named Chris Bogotas, who was an assistant coach uh, at Miami uh, for many, many years, very successful. And he was a high school coach in the South Florida area before that. And he was uh, going against a, a team that, that was known as uh, their nickname was the Frogs. And he actually bit the head of a frog off in front of his high school players oh, in the no. locker room to motivate them and send them out there. Oh. We're wondering when Campbell is going to eat like a live animal before the game. I mean, what, what do you think? He, well, there, he has to do something bizarre. There were reports last year that he did whatever he could to get a live lion on the sidelines during the games, like chained up as like, whether fear factor or motivation, a live lion screaming and roaring at the players as they're playing. Yes. I mean, would you rather have, so this is the question when you're trying to, you know, check the box and the newspapers used to do this when there were newspapers in, in existence, uh, I guess you'll find this online where they do the chart of which team has the edge as we were talking about uh, on uh, various pregame shows uh, in, in the coaching box, which one do you check? Do you check the fat man or the nutbag? Who, who do you favor in this spot? And then you also have to take into account an old betting theory, which I think has been modified a little bit. And that is, uh, if you want to have success, if you could discipline yourself just to make one bet all year long, bet against the defending Super Bowl champion every week in the ensuing season against the point spread. Because they always have an overinflated value. People are thinking, oh, yeah, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yeah, of course they're going to win by 10. They don't even care about the points. The bookies just write down whatever the hell they want. It, it's like, uh, you know, you handed a guy a blank check. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, make them, make them 16-point favorites. And the people, oh, the Super Bowl champs, I'm going to play the Chiefs. Because people love chalk. They love chalk. Uh, Henry, I, I don't know if you've experienced, ever had to take milk of magnesia, but that's what it's like <laughs> when you're betting chalk. So you, you can probably, uh, you know, make this into an annuity where you bet against a defending Super Bowl champion every week in the ensuing season against the point spread. Chiefs, by the way, last year, small margin. I mean, uh, might have been eaten up by the juice, depending on how... Uh, you know, uh, unfriendly your bookmaker is, but uh, yeah, they went nine and 11 against the spread last year, which what wasn't half bad that there was a stretch there where they could never cover. But in the first four weeks of the season, the last two years, that proposition is six and two. So I, I just made you some money, kid. Six and two. Bet I'm going to go pay my rent. Super Bowl champion because uh, now the bookies aren't, I mean, they're much more sophisticated with all the analytics and everything. So they quickly adjust to the fact that, hey, these guys aren't supposed to be making money on the fuss. And, and so they, they, they've made that adjustment on the line. But uh, I, I don't know. Which way are you going? You want the fat man or the nutbag as far as uh, this first game? And uh, the Chiefs, I believe, are, are now five-and-a-half-point favorites. What do you think? Let, let's, let's put ourselves on the spot and make a selection. I, 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 I'm with you. I think that spread is way too high. I think it's bloated, kind of like Andy Reid. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty much on the fence that Dan Campbell is going to bite and chew and bite kneecaps this whole season, pretty much what he's been doing his whole tenure with Detroit. I yeah. like Detroit covering five. I really do. Yeah. Do you think there's like a death threat hovering over all of these players? So I don't know. Like Campbell? <laughs> there's <laughs> gotta be something we're not seeing. Like these guys. Yes. Yes. He's motivating, but there's, yeah. there's something more than motivation. We're not seeing there. There's, there's something 
as you said, like it, whether it's a threat or, or maybe he's threatening his own life. If they don't compete, then he will, he will jump into a lion's den at a circus. Kind of I don't know. Some thing, some kind of a bizarre Siegfried and Roy type of fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Is possessed by, uh, I think it's very much like playing for a, a Russian hockey team where, <laughs> you know, it, you don't want to be the guy who, who, you know, scored an own goal or, or made a mistake. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, that, that's tomorrow night. Uh, I'm going to go with you uh, and I uh, say uh, somehow Detroit covers the point spread in this game. Oh, as yeah. ugly as that proposition looks with, with all of these suspended players. And, and uh, who, who knows? I, I guess we should try to tap into uh, what those guys are playing. The, the four guys for the Detroit Lions who are out because uh, they were gambling. Some for the season and a couple have uh, six-week suspensions, which uh, seems a little bit harsh, right? Uh, this uh, receiver that was suspended last year, I mean, for the entire uh, Calvin Ridley, entire season. And uh, for what? I mean, for doing what everybody is advocating they're yes. shooting movies and uh, jamie fox <laughs> in the middle of a scene with like uh, sir lawrence olivier is stopping and going hey wait a minute uh larry i, I gotta see if uh, the mets won last night and uh, you're, you're thinking this is what they're encouraging everybody to uh, do and yet at the same time uh, they're taking their own players out of the league a couple of quick thoughts I, I don't know how do you feel about the shot of the babes uh, at the uh, uh, U.S. Open uh, right now, which is going on. Uh, it, all the male players seem to be with somebody that they pulled off the Internet. Uh, you have uh, Taylor Fritz, uh, an American, who was eliminated last night by the Joker, Novak Djokovic, uh, with this uh, young lady named Morgan Riddle. And you see more shots of her than you see of Fritz. And, and Fritz is involved in like a three-setter against Djokovic. And yet the whole time the camera is trained on this Morgan Riddle. And uh, have you seen this woman? I mean... She, she is uh, quite attractive. Tommy uh, Paul, uh, also an American player, was just uh, knocked out of the tournament by uh, the young superstar, up-and-coming superstar there, Ben Shelton. Uh, he, uh, you know, he, he's fighting unattached, which is interesting because if you look at what's left in the draw, the guys that were with the babes, and, and I think you could throw, uh, are you familiar with Stefanos Tsitsipas, the Greek, who um, was really making a rise in ascent last year and was starting to show some signs that he was going to come back to that form this year and maybe be a breakthrough player in a Grand Slam event. And then he started dating the lovely Paula Bedosa from Spain. And ever since then, he hasn't been shit. Knocked out the first round, second round of tournaments. And all you see online are pictures of him in this like amazing bachelorette type of romance with uh, Paula Bedosa. But, but the point being, I mean, if you look at it, the guys, uh, Tommy Paul has uh, one of these influencers in his box, absolutely stone gorgeous, uh, Henry. This Morgan Riddle, I mean, uh, look, I, I don't know. The lips are a little weird. Like, it, it looks like <laughs> some of the women I used to see on a ladies' night in Boca, you know, in the over 50 circuit where, you know, it kind of has the grouper lips a little bit. Too much uh, injections, collagen, Botox, whatever she can shoot in there. But uh, very, very attractive. And, and then you factor in CT Pass, uh, three guys that were supposed to really make some moves in this tournament, and all of them knocked out because they're with babes, which proves that maybe the, the, the most uh, – influential line and significant line ever uttered in any movie came from uh, the great Burgess Meredith in uh, Rocky when he turned to uh, Balboa and said, uh, as he was trying to make a move on Talia Shire, women weaken legs. And I think we're seeing visible proof of that. And, and maybe that's why it is significant that they always go to the shot uh, of the babe in the booth. Uh, last thing too, uh, if uh, you don't mind, uh, we got to talk about the local team here, uh, our uh, Miami Marlins. And uh, this is a team of schleppers uh, that, that going into the season, you thought that there's no way that they can fix this. Uh, they're going to be bad forever. Won a championship in 2003 on somewhat of a fluke. 
1997, a lot of people resented that, including the great Bob Costas, baseball purist. Oh, mm -hmm. they bought the team, which, uh, you know, you could throw that out the window because they, they aren't buying squat right now. They don't have enough money to uh, pay the hot dog vendors. <laughs> and uh, yet they put together a team and uh, they did make some moves at, at the trade deadline that, that have uh, been significant. So uh, this Kim Eng, who is the general manager, the only female general manager in baseball, was uh, being widely scrutinized and criticized in uh, not a particularly flattering fashion because uh, the team uh, looked like it was going to fall on its face. And, and then she tweaked it up a little bit, and, and they've been playing some exciting baseball, including beating your Dodgers last night. I don't know if you caught any of that game. They are not my Dodgers. I do not have any relation to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm only leasing this place. I'm a Giants fan, so I was very pleased with that. However, the Marlins are making my Giants sweat a little bit for that third wild card spot. So that's 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 the caveat there. Yeah, they're kind of in a four way shake here uh, to make it. I, I don't know if they're going to do it. They have like a little bit of a marquee decide schedule. But uh, if this happens, I, I think Kim Ng should be the executive of the year if they make the postseason because uh, she would be working more magic at this stage than David Copperfield ever did in his entire <laughs> career. To bring this team of bag ladies together and have them uh, become a, a postseason factor, uh, it would be absolutely great. Uh, I was sorry to see also, I took a glance at the standings. Uh, were you ever an A's fan being from the Bay Area? Or oh, God, no. No, that was um, th that they're like the little brother of the Bay Area. So happy to yeah. see them get pushed around. Yeah, and, and they were you know, threatening a record of my favorite team of all time, which uh, I rooted for. I switched my allegiance. I grew up in New York, switched my allegiance from the Yankees to the Mets in 1962 when the Mets came into existence. And they had, I mean, you talk about a team of bag ladies. This was a team of has-beens of proportions that nobody has ever seen. Even my dad's, uh, there's a retirement village here called Century Village where you have to be like 80 plus to, to live there. Uh, and when he was living there, he was on the basketball team. And uh, even they had greater expectations uh, than the uh, 1962 Mets, who, who were, you know, just seasoned with, with the veterans, uh, guys that had broken in like in the 1920s. And uh, they won 40 games that year. They were 40 and 120. So the A's have eclipsed that. And uh, you know, have, have left the Mets with their mark and in infamy of, uh, in I guess it would be the modern era, having the least amount of wins ever. They were so bad that they didn't even make them play the last two games that they had to make up. They only played like 160 games uh, that year with uh, Casey Stengel as their manager. Uh, and it was true. Uh, rooting for them was like rooting for cancer. It, it was just <laughs> very few wins and, and right. many just absolutely heartbreaking, devastating, oh. outrageous defeats. Uh, so... You know, I, I'm glad to see that their legacy is preserved there and uh, Casey Stengel doesn't have to be spinning in his grave like like Linda Blair and the Exorcist splitting up uh, pea soup. Uh, Henry, I hope you had a good time. Uh, it was uh, wonderful being with you. Thanks. The time flew by a little fast. We went a little long here, but uh, uh, very enjoyable. Uh, are, are you willing to come back and do this again tomorrow? Oh, my pleasure. Of course. The birds are chirping, it looks like. I get to start my day earlier out here in uh, Venice. No Dodger content, though. Let's leave the Dodgers out of this for from, from now on. How about that? Hate the Dodgers. Yeah, you know what? I have a little space in my heart for the Dodgers because I worked out in L.A. for uh, several years. And uh, I, I would say this. I mean, at the time, they were a, a first-class organization in the way they treated people. It, it was kind of a kinder, gentler time in the, uh, you know, relations between say media and professional teams and athletes uh you did get to you know know guys a little bit better i think than you do today had more access teams weren't as paranoid 
But uh, the Dodger organization, I, I will say, at that time, they were uh, run by a guy named Fred Clare, who, who was an old newspaper guy. And uh, they are always a team of great distinction. That They were terrific in that regard. Even if you hated them. But, uh, you know, they, they were always a first-class organization. So I, I, I do Fair have enough. to uh, pay them their homage and respect <laughs> for that. It may be totally different now. Uh, you're not going out on the beach to lift weights? I mean, what, what, what's going on in Venice today? I guess I can maybe squeeze time for a little pump on the beach. Yeah. You ever yeah, run into Arnold out there? Or? He runs into me is, is the deal. So <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, you have a good time out there. The, the weather's okay. I mean, you've had hurricanes. You've had everything that we have here in uh, California. Mudslides. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, that was that. That was a light storm that kind of blew out of proportion. And, and we were looking forward to a hurricane, I hate to say. We were kind of seeing what, what that was all about. And it's just a busy rain weekend. So, um so yeah, we're back to seventy and sunny every day. And yeah, uh, nice. as you said, I'll find my boy Arnie out there. See if he needs a spot, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get this uh, we'll get this beach body in in full effect here shortly. Be, be ready for tomorrow, yeah, because uh, I got to get <laughs> up early. Next edition of the morning briefing uh, for Henry. I'm Jeff DeForest, and we'll see you next time.